This UCSD TV program is a presentation of University of California Television for educational and non commercial use only. I'm uh, going to speak to, uh, to the issue of the free rider, uh, which George Williams uh, uh, created uh, as a malign entity, as it were, if you want to look at things morally, or as an uh, interference uh, and predator against altruists. First of all, uh, the genetic paradox of altruism was rather nicely but very loosely defined by Charles Darwin. Darwin... Uh, had two answers, one of which was kin selection, although he didn't call it that. And uh, I'm going to be speaking about altruism uh, with my own definition, as it were, which is that altruism involves extrafamilial generosity. That is, kin selection is a separate domain as far as I'm concerned here. Uh, Darwin also uh, has a famous quote about group selection. He basically felt that a group that had he was thinking in terms of warfare, a lot of patriots uh, was going to outdo a group that didn't have altruistic patriots, and therefore group selection could operate at an a analogical uh, uh, basis uh, compared to individual selection. Uh, the early sociobiologists on altruism uh, were uh, Robert Trivers as the sort of uh, seminal uh, idea contributor and Edward O. Wilson and Richard D. Alexander. Wilson, of course, uh, chose reciprocal altruism as a, as a good theory uh, for explaining altruism. <clears throat> and he thought that group selection was problematically weak precisely because of the free rider problem, as well as some structural uh, problems as well. Uh, Richard D. Alexander uh, brought in some new ideas, one of which was selection by reputation, uh, also currently uh, called costly signaling in a, one of its narrower interpretations. Uh, the idea being that uh, the altruist would be chosen, uh, as Randy was saying, uh, uh, would be ch chosen preferentially uh, and therefore would have advantages of cooperation uh, over non-altruists. Uh, I should mention that Alexander also uh, was interested in group selection. He knew the problems, uh, and prehistoric warfare uh, was a major unknowable. Therefore, he sort of left it alone. With respect to social selection, uh, I'm going to uh, define it here uh, for humans, and uh, this definition could probably be contested, but I would say social selection takes place when people... Uh, select other people uh, as partners, for example, uh, on the basis of their preferences. And uh, Alexander's uh, selection by positive reputation is one example. 
Uh, he also mentioned selection by negative reputation in passing, at least, and I'm going to be uh, elaborating on that here, uh, because I think an important additional mechanism is free rider suppression. That is, in human groups, free riders are suppressed, both at the level of genotype, but less so there, but also at the level of phenotype. Well, who are these notorious free riders? Uh, normally, they're considered to be cheats. Uh, Bernie Madoff comes to mind. Uh, but uh, they, the, the free rider uh, in classical evolutionary modeling has been the cheater. And I would like to suggest that if, if you rethink it a bit, that bullies are the biggest free riders of all. Humans are a hierarchical species, so are most uh, monkeys and apes. And uh, there's good evidence that there's a genetic reward in being at the top of a hierarchy. So bullying, uh, to me, is simply another case of free riding. Uh, somehow a cheat makes you think of free rider. A bully is taking a free ride, but looks more like a power figure. For some reason, they haven't been uh, brought into modeling. Uh, how do you slow down free riding? Because the more you slow down free riding, the more of a chance uh, altruistic genes have of making it. And um, a free rider uh, can be slowed down in two ways. One way is to, uh, at the level of phenotype, simply to make sure they don't express their free riding tendencies, in which case the genes could stay in place but there would still be not a, dis a disadvantage for altruists because at the level of phenotype, the free riders are not taking advantage. Uh, well, one way you do this is by the threat of punishment. If you have a human group that's moralistic, uh, Trivers called it moralistic aggression, very, very universal in hunter-gatherers and all humans. Uh, you, people start worrying about outcomes in terms of groups turning on them. And therefore, uh, let's say, a bullying free rider uh, will be cut down. Or if, if he, if he <clears throat> either will be cut down or if he, if he refrains from his behavior, then he can stay uh, in a decent position uh, genetically. But if he uh, free rides, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> if he free rides too hard, as it were, uh, he will be uh, executed, capital punishments, uh, universal and hunter-gatherers. Or other bad things can happen to him, like ostracism. Uh, people avoid him. He can't cooperate anymore, and so forth. <clears throat> uh, so I would say that this is a human type of social selection, in some ways rather unique, even though in chimpanzees especially, but also bonobos, uh, we do see uh, social preferences uh, working against bullies. Well, how did we get there uh, in terms of being able to act as groups to suppress free riding or punish free riders? Um, if we look at uh, Ancestral Pan, which is my name for the ancestor that we share with chimps and bonobos uh, roughly six million years ago, plus or minus a million, uh, if we look at ancestral pan, we'll see that there were subordinate coalitions that worked against high-ranking males. Uh, there have been several cases of probable 
what disappearances, let's say, uh, which might have been death, certainly wounding, uh, certainly exile from the group, which is dangerous in a chimpanzee species uh, because you're out in, in a peripheral area where you could be caught by an enemy patrol. So uh, bullying uh, has been treated as a problem by groups of chimpanzees. And also bonobos have a, a rather different pattern, which I'll get to presently. Um, my hypothesis is that when people began to hunt large game, they had some novel problems, that the game had to be shared equitably and an alpha male system wouldn't work. Therefore, they had to get rid of the alpha male system in order to do this. And um, that will, that's a theme that I will be following up on. Uh, but now let's uh, look at uh, some of the contributors uh, to the ancestral pan uh, picture. Uh, first of all, chimpanzees regularly go on patrol. And what we're talking about here is the capacity of a group or all the males in a group to have a common purpose and to act on it aggressively. That is, what are the underpinnings of the moralistic aggression that we see in humans? This is a patrol at Kibali in Uganda. Uh, patrols have been studied quite well now at quite a few field sites. Uh, they, uh, it's a systematic uh, scouting of territory, looking for uh, members of other communities to attack. Uh, there have been fatalities uh, recorded across the breadth of Africa. And this is just a nasty picture of uh, one chimp uh, displaying at a, a dead enemy, but we'll pass that on. Uh, bonobos. Uh, bonobo females uh, cooperate all the time routinely, whereas uh, with chimps it's rather episodic, uh, to uh, basically counter the domination of males. And uh, males don't form coalitions among bonobos, so uh, they are on their own against coalitions of females that uh, basically have, in spite of the fact that they uh, can't go up against a male individually very often, uh, the females are considered to be co-dominant with males. And uh, if we're thinking about a bullying free rider, I chose this particular picture off the internet because the male to the right uh, has the look. Uh, So ancestral pan cooperated as coalitions in threatening or attacking neighbors. Uh, bonobos do this as well. Uh, they, uh, they so far haven't had fatalities. One wounding, wounding was uh, reported by Kano. But territorial encounters uh, involve larger groups chasing smaller groups. So it's clear the males are acting as coalitions uh, against uh, enemies, as it were. Uh, Ancestral pan uh, cooperated in coalitions then because humans also do this. And uh, therefore, if chimps, bonobos, and humans all do it, ancestral pan did it. Uh, the name of that game is parsimony. Uh, ancestral pan specifically was engaged in counter-dominant coalitions. That is, uh, they went... They go up against individuals who individually have power 
but can, the power can be eroded by a coalition going up against them. And because they go against bullies, uh, humans do it. All hunter-gatherers of the nomadic type are egalitarian. They basically don't countenance bullies at all. Uh, Chimps and bonobos at least whittle away at their power. So uh, free rider suppression in the sense of bullying free riders as opposed to cheats is uh, ancient. So we've looked at some of the bases of group cooperation, uh, and now we're going to talk uh, more about humans. Uh, Once we had uh, active large game hunting uh, with ungulates as uh, the targets, uh, people pretty much had to cooperate. Uh, This happened at 250,000 years ago, and... uh, They had to cooperate simply because of the very limited weapons they had. And if they didn't have to cooperate in hunting, uh, which I think they did, they certainly had to cooperate in sharing large carcasses. All of a sudden you have a huge package of food that comes in very intermittently, very unpredictably, and not too often. And to get nutrition out of this, to keep an entire hunting team uh, healthy and powerful, as it were, in the field... Uh, you need to share the meat pretty equitably. And that's not going to happen the way chimps and bonobos share meat because there's always sort of a meat hog who who presides over the meat and then uh, some get it and some don't. But uh, there's never universal sharing uh, of equal portions. And hunter-gatherers actually make this happen. Uh, There's also cooperation in reducing alpha power uh, because you have to have an egalitarian order in order to share meat in this way. And there's also cooperation in threatening or fighting territorial competitors. So there were a lot of different expressions of the human capacity to uh, cooperate in groups, uh, mostly male groups, uh, in accomplishing various different types of uh, objectives. And this is just a a little bit of fun uh, to look at some... uh, rock art. Uh, this simply shows uh, two men cooperating in, in a hunt. Here we see that uh, hunting dangerous prey with weapons can be confrontational, so in a way it's a practice for both warfare or raiding or social control. Uh, this uh, particular slide is a bit ambiguous. It looks to me like it's partly hunting and partly fighting. Uh, And I simply put it in because I think the two are conjoined in the sense of cooperation being involved. And here we have uh, fighting, uh, which is individual. That is, it looks to be uh, more at the level of a few individuals fighting. And uh, here we have uh, fighting by... uh, it looks like about 11, but there's some of this picture is, has eroded, but at least 11 uh, actors. Uh, and if you think of a typical hunting band that is large enough to share meat and has enough hunters to bring the meat in often enough so that it can be an important part of the diet, you need about five hunters per band. There's some very good theory out of human behavioral ecology that suggests that this is... Uh, something that all social carnivores uh, 
engage in. So here we have uh, just about the right number of uh, males, <clears throat> adult males, uh, fighting to suggest that it's between two bands with about five hunters per band with 11 total. And it may be a little bit larger, but bands generally tend to be 20 to 30 uh, persons, which gives you five or six active hunters. And finally, we have the only uh, recorded instance of non-literate human uh, warfare, but it isn't exactly warfare. Uh, It's a New Guinea great fight. Uh, This is uh, an example of uh, two very large freighters or patra groups coming together, and they basically strut around and do maneuvers and Occasionally, a couple of people get killed, and then they go home, all go home. Uh, the same people also do pre-dawn genocidal attacks. So this is a more like a medieval tourney, but it does show. Uh, you can see even in the picture, uh, in the slide, you can see that there is patterning. Uh, these people are making maneuvers, as it were. It's highly coordinated and cooperative. Uh, archaic homo, homo sapiens, uh, 250,000 years ago, had probably had at times cooperative warfare, uh, depending on population density and defensibility of resources. Um, they carried cooperative counter-domination much farther than their predecessors, I would guess, uh, due to large-game hunting, which created the need to get rid of the alpha male system so meat could be distributed efficiently. So uh, alpha behavior, uh, free rider behavior, was thoroughly suppressed by social control. Uh, Social selection today. Uh, In human hunter-gatherers, bullies are free riders, probably much more than cheaters. And the threat of moralistic aggression by the entire band, the rest of the band, largely holds them in check. Uh, There's a wonderful book by anthropologist Gene Briggs, which Uh, talks about an Eskimo personality, who a guy who really wanted to be aggressive, but he was so scared of people catching on to it that he was constantly stifling his aggressive uh, nature, as it were. Uh, When people get out of hand, uh, and I've looked at many hunter-gatherers in this respect, uh, when they get out of hand, they are uh, likely to get killed. Well, let's uh, talk about implications for the study of altruism. Free riders are a major problem in modeling the selection of extrafamilial generosity. Uh, Randy's already talked about models, but selection by reputation, reciprocal altruism, and group selection are models that are particularly vulnerable to free riding. Uh, And I believe that future modeling, uh, if we're going to get at the bottom of the altruism paradox, and I'm not sure we're 90% of the way there. Uh, I think we need to look at free rider suppression because humans are the only uh, species I can think of that act as moralistically aggressive groups to suppress free riders at the level of phenotype. And if they're suppressed at the level of phenotype, then they can't really do any damage to the altruists. And this changes the modeling uh, quite radically. Thank you.